Hey, I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, world-renowned paranormal investigator and researcher, all-around fun, nerdy guy, Star Wars enthusiast, superhero fanatic. I'm your host for my very own podcast, Paranormally Speaking. I hope you enjoy. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Bombshell. The government's once clandestine UFO program will review findings of unexplained materials and crashes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Pentagon has off-world vehicles not made on this earth. This information was released late last week. The story includes official comments provided by the Pentagon to Popular Mechanics as well as New York Times, as well as a clarification of Senator Harry Reid's original comments in the New York Times report. For years, the government has repeatedly changed its tune regarding its official involvement with UFO research. As recently as February, a Pentagon spokesperson told Popular Mechanics that while a government program did investigate unmanned aerial vehicles and other unexplained aerial phenomena for some time last decade, funding dried up in 2012. But when Popular Mechanics thoroughly investigated the covert program, multiple sources have indicated it's still ongoing to this day. Now, a new report in the New York Times confirms those accounts. The government's UFO unit currently resides in the Office of the Naval Intelligence, where it deals with classified matters and materials, per the report. Even though the unit itself isn't classified, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force is meant to standardize collection and reporting on sightings of UAVs and publicly divulge at least some of its findings. Twice a year, according to the Times, in a June Senate committee report, the Senate authorized appropriations for fiscal year of 2021 for the task force, supporting its efforts to reveal any links that unidentified aerial phenomena have to adversarial foreign governments and the threat they pose to the U.S. military assets and installations. The committee remains concerned that there is no unified comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomena, despite the potential threat the committee understands that the relevant intelligence may be sensitive. Nevertheless, the committee finds that the information sharing and coordination across the intelligence community has been inconsistent, and this issue has lacked attention from senior leaders. Therefore, the committee directs the DNI in consultation with the Secretary of Defense jointly consider relevant to submit a report within a 180-day period of the date of enactment of this act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, also known as anomalous aerial vehicles, including observed airborne objects that have not been identified. Senator Marco Rubio, 
who chairs the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, told a CBS affiliate in Florida that he's most interested in learning from the task force who's responsible for unidentified aircraft spotted over American military bases. Rubio said he hopes the Chinese or Russians or some other adversary hasn't made some sort of technological leap that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. That, to me, Rubio said, is a national security risk and one we should be looking into. While such UAVs may very well come from foreign adversaries, the other possibility, of course, is that we can't pinpoint their origins from anywhere on this planet. And that's where the New York Times report gets really interesting. Harry Reid, the former Nevada senator who was instrumental in funding the original UFO program, told the Times he believes that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved material should be studied. After looking into this, he says, I came to the conclusion that there were reports. Some were substantive, some not so substantive. But there were actual materials that the government and private sector have in their possession. An earlier version of this Times article said Reed believed crashes from other worlds had indeed occurred and that retrieved materials had been studied secretly for decades, often by aerospace companies under government contracts. The Times has corrected Reed's account and Reed has since clarified his statements in a tweet below. Popular Mechanics has updated this section of the article accordingly where Harry Reid says, I have no knowledge and I have never suggested the federal government or any entity has unidentified flying objects or debris from other worlds. I have consistently said we must stick to science, not fairy tales about little green men. Despite the Pentagon statements that it disbanded a once covert program to investigate unidentified flying objects, the effort remains underway. Officials continue to study mystifying encounters between military pilots and unidentified aerial vehicles. The astrophysicist Eric Davis, who consulted with Pentagon's original UFO program and now works for the defense contractor Aerospace Corporation, told the Times that after he examined certain materials and crashes, he came to the conclusion that we couldn't make them ourselves. In fact, Davis briefed a Department of Defense agency along with Harry Reid as recently as March about retrieving materials of off-world vehicles not made on this planet. The New American Religion of UFOs Belief in aliens is like faith in religion and may come to replace it, according to some. Last week, the New York Times published a viral article about reports of UFOs off the coast in 2014 and 2015 and included an interview with five Navy pilots who witnessed and in some cases recorded mysterious flying objects with no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes. That appeared to reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. No one is quite sure what they saw, but the sightings are striking, and they're part of a growing fascination with the possibility of intelligent alien life. According to Diana Pascula, a professor at the University of North Carolina and author of the new book, American Cosmic, belief in UFOs and extraterrestrials is becoming a kind of religion, she says. And it isn't nearly as fringe as you might think. More than half of American adults and over 60% of young Americans believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life. This tracks pretty closely with the belief in God, she says. And if Pascula is right, 
That's not an accident. Her book isn't so much about the truth of UFOs or aliens. It is about what the appeal of belief in those things says about our culture and the shifting roles of religion and technology in it. On the surface, it's a book about the popularity of belief in aliens, but it's really a deep look at how myths and religions are created in the first place and how human beings deal with unexplainable experiences. A lightly edited transcript of the conversation with Pascula follows. Uh, you describe belief in UFOs and aliens as the latest manifestation of a very old impulse, a religious impulse. What is it about extraterrestrials that captivates so many people? Pascula goes on to say, one way we can make sense of this by using a very old but functional definition of religion as simply the belief in non-human and supernatural intelligent beings that often descend from the sky. There are many definitions of religion, but this one is pretty standard. There is another distinction about belief in non-human extraterrestrial intelligence or UFO inhabitants that makes it distinct from the types of religions with which we are most familiar. Um, a historian of Catholicism, for instance, would say uh, what they find when they interact with people in Catholic communities is that they have faith that Jesus walked on water and that the Virgin Mary uh, apparitions were true. But there's some uh, something very different about the UFO narrative. Here we have people who are actual scientists like Ellen Stolfen, the former chief scientist at NASA. Uh, they are uh, This person's willing to go on TV and basically make announcements like, we are going to find extraterrestrial life. Now she's not exactly uh, talking about the intelligent extraterrestrial life, but that's not how many people interpret her anyway. She says that they're going to find life. They're going to find inhabitable planets and things like that. But So that gives this type of religious religiosity a far more powerful bite than the traditional religions, which are based on faith and things unseen and unfound. But the belief that UFOs and aliens are potentially true and can potentially be proven makes this a uniquely powerful narrative for the people who believe in it. It is fair to call this new form of religion uh, a religion, I, I would say so. Uh, there are two incredible modern scientists, such as Alan Hynek and Joaquiz Valil, who reviewed the idea. Hynek passed away in 1986, but he actually, uh, the star character in the History Channel show Project Blue Book. Valil is still here, and he's an astronomer and a computer scientist who worked on ARPANET, which was a military precursor to the Internet. Basically, Hynek and Valil called themselves the Invisible College, once they started to believe the things they were investigating were somehow either extraterrestrial or interdimensional, they were part of a group of scientists that were known to each other, but were not known to the general public, who quietly pursued the research of their own time. So once uh, you start engaging with uh, these scientists who are doing this type of work, who believe in the reality of extraterrestrial intelligence, who believe they were reverse engineering technology from what they insisted was alien aircraft, it, it would be stunning for all of us to bear witness to this and probably cause some sort of a cataclysmic event where people are often shooting each other, religions are battling other religions for supremacy, and if we all of a sudden have a mothership appear out of the sky out of nowhere, you're going to have all of these gun-crazy Americans or those from other countries that are gun-crazy 
uh, popping off rounds at the unknown and possibly creating an interstellar war. That's something that we don't really need to see in our lifetime, or any lifetime for that matter. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. And now I have something that comes straight out of the what the hell were you thinking files. China made an artificial star that's six times as hot as the sun, and it could be the future of energy. Imagine if we could replace fossil fuels with our very own stars. And no, we're not talking about solar power. We are talking nuclear fusion, and recent research is helping us get there. Meet the experimental advanced superconducting Tama Takamak or East. East is a fusion reactor based in Haifei, China, and it can now reach temperatures of more than six times as hot as the sun. Let's take a look at what's happening inside. Fusion occurs when two lightweight atoms combine into a single larger one, releasing energy in the process. It sounds simple enough, but it's not easy to pull off because those two atoms share a positive charge. And just like two opposing magnets, those positive atoms repel each other. Stars, like our sun, have a great way of overcoming this repulsion. Their massive size, which creates a tremendous amount of pressure in their cores. So the atoms are forced closer together, making them more likely to collide. There's just one problem. We don't have the technology to create that kind of pressure on Earth. But luckily, there's another way. You can also generate fusion with extreme temperatures. And that's exactly what the device like EAST can do. The higher the temperature, the faster the atoms move around, and more likely they are to collide. But it quickly becomes a balancing act. If the temperature is too hot, the atoms move too fast and zip past each other. If it's too cold, the atoms won't move fast enough, so the ideal temperature to generate fusion is around 100 million degrees Celsius. That's more than six times as hot as our own sun's core. And this is on planet Earth. They're doing this in China. Only a few fusion experiments in the world have surpassed this milestone, and the latest one was EAST. It sustained nuclear fusion for about 10 seconds before shutting down entirely. While it was a breakthrough for EAST, it's a long way from generating sustainable energy for the people on Earth. And that's actually on purpose. EAST is a tiny reactor at only a few meters across. It's not meant to be a full-fledged power plant. It's an experiment, and right now, its job is to help us design more effective fusion technology that could, one day, power entire cities. You see, you need to pour a lot of energy into these machines to get them to work. This recent EAST test, for example, guzzled over, it guzzled over 10 megawatts of power, enough to power 1,640 American homes for a year. And it didn't yield even half that amount, since the entire point of a power plant is to, well, produce power. It's a pretty important issue to work out, but it's worth the effort. Well, for one thing, fusion reactors would produce practically no radiation, 
or radioactive waste compared to the kind of reaction that we see in today's nuclear fusion power plants. But even better, fusion reactors can run on seawater, a renewable, sustainable resource. Now, the only downfall to this is creating something like our own sun, uh, our own star on planet Earth six times as hot as the sun. You run the risk of opening a black hole in the middle of Earth, which could either pull in an alternate reality and bridge two multi-universes together and we would blend into ourselves in multiple levels. Uh, it could completely implode and cause us to turn inside out, uh, where we would die a painful, horrible death. Uh, or maybe opening a black hole in the middle of Earth could suck out COVID-19. And maybe that's what China's trying to do, since they keep calling this the Kung Flu and the Chinese virus, according to Trump. Uh, maybe this is their way of rectifying that if they are, in fact, responsible for COVID-19. It's anyone's guess. A majority of people believe they have seen a ghost, poll claims. Three in five people have said that they have seen a ghost in their lifetime, according to this new poll. A survey of 2,000 people found most believe they had a supernatural experience, with 40% saying they thought their pet had had one as well. One in three had either lived or stayed in a house they felt was haunted. When confronted with a ghost, men were twice as likely as women to scream and run away, while other initial responses included crying, hiding, and fainting. We know from experience that year after year, people love to be scared and seek out as many frightful opportunities as possible. If something scary isn't for you or your children, carving a pumpkin, visiting an apple orchard, or going on a hayride can also be great ways to celebrate the paranormal. Survey also identified other fears that give us the shivers, such as snakes, spiders, sharks, and drowning, heights, public speaking, failure, bees, cramped spaces, and rejection. Even though snakes ranked higher than bees on the list of fears by a more than two to one margin, most respondents said they would rather have snakes slither all over them than to be surrounded by a swarm of bees. In honor of Throwback Thursday, I'm going to add an excerpt from a segment where I was featured and chronicled on Fox 28 News and ABC 6 News in Columbus, Ohio. It was an evening segment that took place after my appearance on Good Day Columbus. This was back in 2010, so I have aged gracefully and put on some more weight to keep me warm during the winters. Haunted houses, poltergeists, paranormal activity. It's the stuff ghost stories and movies are made of. Well, tonight, a team of investigators from Central Ohio take us on a ghost hunt looking for proof of the paranormal. About halfway between Columbus and Cincinnati is a small city named Washington Courthouse. Population, just under 14,000. The area, first settled in 1810 by Virginia War veterans, is known for its annual Scarecrow Festival and the Fayette County Fair. And while every small town has its traditions, some have their very own ghost stories. I'd like to bring I tend to think most of it's hogwash. Washington Courthouse Fire Lieutenant Tim Downing has heard most of the spooky tales of the town. The unknown. Everybody wants to know the unknown. 
and the young men who were painting with this crew were so scared that they were, had to be driven home by the, I guess, the head painter. Okay, we're getting strong ratings down here now. Was it Elizabeth? We'll never really know. Ghost stories are told, but few are actually proven. That's why Neil Parks and his paranormal investigation team came here. You don't want to go on assuming that everything's a ghost. You want to, uh, this equipment validates the feelings we get, uh, like the, the head rush, the headache, the, the, the cold chills, the hair standing out on the back of your neck. Maybe that could explain investigator Stephen Parks' strange reaction to this room. It means another guy on our team, Donnie. Uh, both actually, he started getting a headache, I started getting feeling sick to my stomach. It's the same room where those painters claim to have heard footsteps. We asked him to go back inside. Now, if you felt something and felt a little ill before, but maybe don't now, could that mean that whatever was in this area maybe has moved somewhere else? The code, um... Right now, though, once again, I am starting to get a little sick to my stomach. Um, and that's generally how it manifests to me. And I feel feel like a presence is pushing on me in this area. So it's just feels odd. Are you uncomfortable? Yeah, a little bit. You want to come on there? Yeah. Part felt better once he was outside of that room. His experience was pretty much the highlight of our ghost hunt at the Carnegie Library. But there were a few other odd happenings that night. Like a camera that had been turned off was somehow back on. And when I held these dousing rods used to pinpoint magnetic occurrence, they went a little haywire. And you don't feel anything creepy right now either, do you? So creepy that this is just moving on its own. <laughs> That's creepy. Despite a lack of concrete evidence on this particular outing, the team stays positive. Throughout my entire life, I've experienced things of that nature and um, was always afraid to talk about it. I, I thought maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me or uh, possibly people would throw stones at me for speaking openly about it. As the team packs up and calls it a night. But thank God for shows like Ghost Hunters really opening the, the doorway for people like myself and my team to speak openly about it and not be chastised. They're already wondering what their next quest will uncover. After all, it is just a ghost story away. in what they do. There could be simple explanations sure. for some of the things that they discovered or experienced. There could also be more complex explanations. So sure. just one of those things and what you believe in and they use their equipment to try and prove the feelings that they have. Right. Well, as you said, uh, there is a newfound credibility to their That's work right. based on TV shows and the like, so they're able to talk about it more freely. Are you are you more of a believer in the paranormal than you were before? Not um, that you worked before? I kind of always, I do believe that there is something else out there. Um, I didn't experience anything that really made me, you know, feel like that. Yeah. But I do believe that there could be something out there. So I'm, you know, I do. Well, Neil Parks is not only a paranormal investigator, he's also a published author, he's a historian, a public speaker, and a researcher, and a researcher, and you can find his book, Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange, online or at his website, and we put a link to his website on ours, just go to myfox28columbus.com. If you're
Thanks for listening today. Have a great rest of the week. A wonderful weekend. And next time I'll have more cool stuff to talk about. Maybe a little more in depth. Uh, maybe an actual reading from one of my books. Or a special guest. You never know what I have cooked up. Till then.